Well, you've probably heard that you're uh, not supposed to talk about religion with a group of people, but we're going to do it anyway. So there's a lot of attention when you bring up the word religion because there's so much weight to it. You know, religion attempts to answer the biggest questions we have as human beings, Uh, questions that are represented uh, in that photo. You know, where did the stars come from? You know, how how did the universe come into being? What about... Uh, the mankind, where did mankind come from? How was mankind started? What is uh, the purpose? And, and nature, you know, where did, why is nature the way that it is? And then even the individual, what happens when I die? What is my purpose between now and then? Uh, does what I do really make a difference? And in light of all of that, what is God like? And these are the kind of questions that We struggle with in life. They spark us to ask further questions uh, about God and about religion because we hope to answer those questions. Uh, Since we're talking about religion, I I thought it'd be helpful if we just put up a simple definition of religion to kind of get us all on the same page. So I thought, what does Merriam-Webster's dictionary say uh, about religion? It says, religion is an organized system of beliefs, ceremonies, and rules used to worship a god or a group of gods. An organized system of beliefs, ceremonies, and rules used to worship a, a, a god or a group of gods. And based on your background, there's different words jumping out to you. Like maybe the, the word uh, ceremonies jumps out to you. Or the word rules jumps out. Or the word organized, that, that jumps out to you. And maybe some of those words bring uh, memories that Uh, or maybe negative, or maybe even positive, or you say, that was a critical moment in my life, and uh, maybe they bring back negative memories, but regardless, this is just a neutral definition. And so let's talk about, when we're talking about religion, like what are the religions of the world? What are we talking about? What what are the world religions? So I've, I've got this chart for you. I know how much you like pie, so I put it in a pie chart, and this is done by the Pew Forum. And it's a global religious landscape, just people uh, being asked to self-identify. So they didn't study the person's practices or how often they went to church or or how often they prayed or anything like that. It's just people self-identifying. And uh, 31.5% of the world considers themselves Christian. And that's uh, broad, but it's people saying that they believe in the Trinity, uh, that Jesus paid the penalty of sin, you accept that forgiveness through faith, and there's more to it, but, but they just broadly believe that, that basic Christian belief, and that, that's the Christian slice of pie. Uh, 23.2% are Muslim, that's a broad group as well, there's sects of Muslim Islam in there, but in general, uh, about 23%, and then the non-religious, this is the third largest in the world, and the fastest growing uh, a survey done in the United States in the 1960s, uh, self-identifying 2% of Americans said that they were non-religious, that they didn't have any religious affiliation. Today, one in four Americans say, uh, no, I'm, not, I'm non-religious, I don't have a religion. And, and it's for various reasons, and, and maybe you'd say that today. Maybe you'd say, you know, I really don't, don't have a religion, don't desire a religion. And and maybe it is because of past experiences. Maybe it's what comes to mind when we talk about a religion. Maybe the quest to answer these questions about life has led you to a hurtful thing in your past 
where uh, you may have been hurt by religion or the church or by someone who professed a faith. And I just want to tell you right up front here that if that's you, I look up to you for being here today. Because there are thousands of people in our community alone who have deep questions about life that will, won't do anything this weekend to seek the answers for those. But you're here, and maybe you're, you're having to step, take a step that you'd say, Rylan, just being in a church today is a big deal for me, and I just want to applaud you for taking that step and, and maybe even having to reconcile something in your past to do that. Uh, th- these other questions, or these other religions, you know, 15% in Hindu and Buddhist, 7.1%, and then that other category, there's way too many to list them all. They're all a fraction, not, not even one of them is, is over 1%. But even though I gave you this definition and these categories, I, I would even push back on these categories and the definition of religion. Because when I have conversations with people about religion, and when you have conversations with people about religion, uh, you never hear like the definition. You know, no one ever says, well, religion is an organized system of beliefs and rules. And, and you don't even really hear these terms or these, you know, how people fit into these religions. What you hear is, is one word answers. Like the, the words we saw in the video. Or maybe the re- religion's divisive, or it's inconsistent, it's outdated, it's, it's irrelevant. And those are the things I want to address. I, w- I want to wrestle with those one-word generalizations about religion that push people away and say, you know what, I'm just going to be non-religious. This just isn't for me. And the first word I want to wrestle with is this word divisive. That religion is seen as divisive. And no one uh, really wants to be divisive. I mean, let's just do a quick exercise here on what happens when people disagree and when there is a division. Uh, so I, I'm going to give you uh, two, two things, and you're going to pick one or the other. So if you came in with someone today, they're going to be your partner in this. If not, you're about to make a new buddy. And uh, I told you I wouldn't put you on the spot. I'm not going to change that. But I'll just give you two things, and you pick one or the other with the person next to you or behind you or whatever. And, and the first one is dogs or cats. I saw the relief on many of your faces right then. It's like, okay, I can do this. So just dogs or cats, all right? You pick. And tell the person next to you. Okay, how many were in agreement? How many, how many people were in agreement with the person next to them? How many people were in disagreement with the person sitting next to them? Quite a few disagreements. I didn't see any punches thrown. You know, let's do another one. Android or iPhone? How many are in agreement? And how many are in disagreement? And see, you're probably still going to go home with that person tonight. Like, it's okay. Let's do another one. KU or MU? How, how many disagreements? Okay, I didn't see any chairs thrown or anything like that. Let's do one more. The Kansas City Royals, or let's just face it, it's just the Royals. We love the Royals. It's all you need right there. Now, I'm not saying that religion is on the same level as the phone you choose. In fact, I'm trying to get you to see that it is deeper than that. 
Because for some, like, what pathway and what religion they choose is just up there, like, with, you know, it's, it's dogs or cats, you know, that's just as passionate as they are about it. But religion seeks to answer the deepest core questions that we have of what makes us human. And maybe you say, no, Rylan, like, my cat, that's as deep as it gets. Like, my relationship, that's all I need. But, but we are seeking these deep questions. Every human wants to know what happens when I die, why I'm alive, what makes me human. It's not the difference between preferences. This is a big deal. But this, uh, this idea that religion causes all the conflict and all the division in the world it's just simply, let's look at it, okay? We're going to look at a couple of cultural beliefs. Uh, maybe, maybe someone has said these words to you. Maybe they have said this, this cultural belief. Maybe they've said to you, the majority of wars have been caused by religious conflict. Uh, I've heard that. I heard that in school. I've heard it on the news. I've seen it on social media. And I've seen it on the History Channel. And it's just, maybe you haven't heard it that way. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, said another way to you, that more people have died in the name of God than for any other reason. Or maybe you've heard it said a different way, but, but basically that religion is causing all the division. Well, this statement, the Encyclopedia of Wars, uh, addresses that. And it's not an opinionated piece. It's done by uh, Charles Phillips and, and Alan Axelrod. And they said, of 1,763 wars... Only 123 have been classified to involve a religious cause, accounting for less than 7% of all wars and less than 2% of all people killed in warfare. Has religion caused conflict in, in warfare? Yes, I mean, it has. You go back to the Crusades and the Inquisition, I mean, inexcusable, just ugly moments in the history of the church. No excuse for things like that. You look at September 11th and many of the, the conflicts in the Middle East between sectarian violence that's rooted in religion. There have been horrible atrocities done in the name of religion. Wars caused by it. But it is nowhere near the, the majority of the conflict in the world. If you look at it from a historical perspective, uh, somewhere between one and three million people killed in the Crusades. You know, another 3,000 in the, in the Inquisition. But if you compare that to World War I, 33 million people killed by World War I one alone. The source of that conflict? Power, economics, greed. The things that cause most of the division and conflict in the world around us. Does religion cause conflict? Yes, but it's not the primary source of conflict and division around us. But many people are saying that they're just going to choose not to choose. That they're just going to choose to be non-religious. And they'll say, I'm spiritual because I care about the fundamental questions. What happens when I die? Uh, what my purpose is? Uh, but religion is just so divisive. It's so hurtful. It causes so many of the problems. I'm just going to not choose because it's just so divisive. But that just is not the case when we look at the facts. But another reason people choose to be non-religious is because of another cultural belief that in some ways is the exact opposite of that first one. You know, this cultural belief says that the major world religions are basically different paths 
to the same God. That it doesn't really matter what you, path you follow, all paths lead to God. Have enough faith, be sincere enough, follow with all your heart, and they're going to lead to truth. They're all going to lead to the same place. And we, don't, we don't need to be so divisive. We don't need to get in an uproar about this. We just need to each person follow their conviction, and it's all going to land in the same place and work out in the end. Let's, let's look at that. Let's look at the facts of that. Are they all pretty much saying the same thing? These, these religions that we've, we've brought to light here. You know, let's look at Hinduism. The major tenet uh, or belief of Hinduism is that your current life situation is a direct result of your past life situation. That meaning that Hindus believe in reincarnation. That what happens to me when I die? Well, I get reincarnated. And if I had a good past life, then this life is going to be uh, better. It's going to be a reward for my past life. And the goal of Hinduism is that each reincarnation you do better and you do better. You do this through moral behavior. You You do this better by worshiping the Hindu deities. There's thousands of them. Specifically Rama, who's the supreme deity. You spend time in meditation, learning about him. Uh, spending time in religious practices. And if you do this well enough and keep getting better, if you do it good enough, then you break the cycle of reincarnation and you cease to exist. And that's the basic belief and goal of Hinduism. What's Buddhism? Buddhism also believes in reincarnation, uh, but they see it as a negative thing. So if you get reincarnated, it's because you didn't get something right in your past life. And, and you got you to go again. you got to do this again. The reason you're reincarnated is because you haven't learned to detach from worldly things. And the goal is to detach from all wants and desires and material possessions. And once you learn to detach from worldly desires, you become one with the universe. And nothing holding you back from that. The way you do this is through meditation, through studying the Buddhist documents. It's a very... Mental religion where you detach from things until you reach nirvana, which is the goal. And nirvana is the extinguishing of the flame of desire. So you no longer want, you're no longer materialistic, uh, you're no longer attached to the world around you. And that's how you break, break the cycle. Islam. Uh, people who follow Islam are Muslim. They believe in one God, creature, uh, all-powerful. His name is Allah. And Muhammad is his most important and last prophet. And the basic tenets of Islam is that you have to follow five uh, very specific rules. And the first is that you have to recite a creed uh, dedicating yourself to Allah and Muhammad. Uh, You have to give to the poor. You need to pray five times a day in Aramaic. uh, Specific prayers at specific times. Once a year, you need to celebrate Ramadan, which is a month of fasting, uh, where you abstain from drink and alcohol and food and from sex for an entire month uh, during daylight hours from sunrise to sunset uh, for a month of religious devotion. And then during every person's life, they need to make a pilgrimage to Mecca. Regardless of where you live in the world, you need to make it to Mecca and visit one of the shrines. And if you do these five things, you'll go to paradise and be eternally rewarded. And martyrdom in the service of Allah is the only work guaranteed to send a worshiper to paradise. 
And that's just a super thumbnail sketch of these. I mean, there's courses in religion where you could spend a whole semester talking about, uh, you know, how to be saved in each religion. But, but let's go back to this original statement. The major world religions are basically different paths to the same God. Now, let's just explore that a little bit based on what we just learned. Uh, first of all, how are they similar? There, there are some similarities. Like, people wouldn't say that if there wasn't any similarities. And the first one is that mankind has the ability to choose for themselves. Each of the major religions believes in, in free will. That we're not robots, we're not marionettes. Everyone has the, the ability and the power to choose for themselves to make their decisions. Also, the major world religions agree on this second statement that our choices are often wrong, meaning they cause harm to ourselves and others. That we can choose, but a lot of times uh, we don't choose the right thing. Well, who decides what's right and wrong? Well, it's wrong when it causes harm to ourselves or to other people. And then this third thing here, our wrong choices separate us from the peace and presence of God. They separate us from from a preferred outcome, whether that's the presence of God, the peace of God, breaking the cycle of reincarnation, whatever it may be. That's how they're, how they're similar. This is what the world religions agree on. And where do they disagree? Let's look at where they disagree. Uh, first of all, they disagree on the pathway of how to solve that problem. Very different pathways. In Buddhism, it's intellectual there's a detaching from things. It's an intellectual process. In Hinduism, it's worshiping and giving honor to the deities and, and, and good moral behavior. In Islam, it's following those five tenets, the principal pillars of Islam. Completely different pathways. The bigger difference, though, is not just the pathway, but also the second thing, the goal. You know, when someone is teaching me uh, how to play like a new board game or card game, the first thing I want to know is what's the ultimate goal? Like, you know, they'll start with all the rules, but I want to know, like, is it to get all my pieces over there? Is it to knock out that guy? Is it to get rid of all the cards in my hand? Is it to get all the cards in my hand? Like, what is just the ultimate goal? And we have to kind of look at that through the lens of religions. What's, what's the ultimate goal? What are we getting to here? And the goal for Buddhists is to become one with the universe. The goal for Hindus is to cease to exist. The goal in Islam is to enter paradise and eternal reward. Three completely different goals and destinations. Three completely different pathways. These are not just different ways to say the same thing. To say yes to one is to say no to the other. You see this, this word division when it comes to religion, you can't totally get away from it because there are distinctions. There are things that divide one from the other. The ultimate goal of one completely contradicts the others. There are different pathways. They're not saying the same thing. But there's an even bigger question when it comes to these pathways and goals. And that question is, if it's if it's your role to fix the sin problem, if it's your role to fix what has separated you from God or from the goal, the preferred outcome, then there's this question out there of how, 
How strictly do I have to follow the pathway to achieve the goal? Like, how well do I have to do at, at the pathway? How much of these religious practices do I have to do? How much do I have to meditate? How many rituals do I have to perform? How well do I have to follow these rules? You know, is it, is it 80%? Is that going to cut it? You know, does it have to be 100%? I hope not because no one's going to do like do it 100%, right? So is it 99%? Is it, is it 65%, which is a passing grade at KU? Like what is the... <laughs> My wife went to Mizzou. We just needed a light moment there. But that's the question we struggle with is, is how good is going to be good enough? And there's no answer to that in these religions. So what people are left with is just hoping. Just hoping, I hope I did enough. I hope I tipped the scale. I hope my behavior was good enough. I hope I meditated enough. I hope I said enough right things to this this deity. I hope I studied enough. And you're just left with hoping. Hoping that I did what it takes to be saved. And this is where Christianity steps in. What's so different about Christianity? What makes Christianity so great? And I know this has, been, this has been a heady message so far. I mean, there's been lots of facts. We've talked about a lot of different things. But now we're talking about Christianity. Just track with me again here. That, that we come to this Christianity, and Christianity has a lot of the similarities. You know, if you look back over those list of three similarities again, uh, we absolutely believe those. You know, in Christianity, we have the ability to choose. The second similarity is that we choose wrong. In Christianity, we call this sin. Sin is making the wrong choice, doing things that hurt ourselves and hurt others. And this third one is that those wrong choices, our sin, separates us from peace with God, separates us from the presence of God. So in these other world religions, what's the role of the individual? The role of the individual is to behave morally, to exercise different disciplines, rituals, ceremonies, follow the rules. The individual does all these things. If they do that, then they are making up for the separation to to reach God or paradise or nirvana or whatever the preferred outcome is. It's on the individual to solve these problems. However, in Christianity, if sin separates me from God, What can I do to get rid of the sin, the barrier that's separating me and God? And here's what Christianity says. You can't solve that problem. Christianity steps in and says, what do I do to get rid of the barrier that's separating me from God? And and Christianity says, you can't do it. Like, not that you may not, but you just actually can't. You can't do it. You can't make up for the sin. You can't do anything to to get rid of this barrier between you and God. It's too big of a problem for you to solve. And Christianity says there's nothing you can do to be saved. So here I am. I know that I've messed up. I know I've been born into a mankind that has this unavoidable sin problem and sin nature. And if sin is separating me from God and there's absolutely nothing I can do about it, then there is no hope. I'm hopeless. Where is the good news in that? 
Well, there's some incredibly good news in this. Because, see, in Christianity, we believe that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to earth and solved that sin problem for us. That sin separates us from God. It leaves us spiritually dead. We can't can't do what it takes on our own. So Christ said, I will solve that problem for you. And that's how much God loves us. He came and paid the penalty for our sin, which is death, by dying on a cross. He died in our place. The penalty we should have paid, he paid. And this answers that big fundamental question of how good is good enough. That God, he loves us so much that he says, you know what? You'll never be good enough. You can't solve the problem, so I'm going to do it all for you. I'll take care of the sin problem by taking it away. You can't earn this forgiveness. You can't earn heaven. You can't earn eternal life. You can't earn peace and presence with me. But I'm going to give it to you as a free gift. And that's why Jesus came to earth. You see, where Christianity differs radically is in this very simple statement. You can write this in. Christianity stands apart in a significant way. And that is our role. The role of the individual. Because the role of the individual is not to have good moral behavior to save them. The role of the individual is to lean on Jesus' work for salvation. To believe on him. And I would, I would imagine you have questions or doubts about the life of Jesus. I would imagine you have questions or even serious doubts about the reliability of the Bible. How it was, uh, how it was put together, you know, is it... Is it really God's word? Can we really trust in the Bible? And we're going to talk about all of that in this series, and we're going to answer those questions. But today, it's just about what makes Christianity different. And what makes Christianity different is that God is offering forgiveness right now. Not after you complete a list of rules or ceremonies. Just after you put faith in him. It's not after he gauges a life of good moral behavior. It's whether or not you put your faith in him to be saved, to believe that Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection is what saves me. I want to read a passage from the Bible as we wrap up. It's from the book of Romans. It's written by a guy named Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul. He was an early Christian. Christian leader. Uh, He didn't start off as a Christian leader. He actually opposed Christianity at first. Uh, He hated Christ and Christians and that they believed he rose from the dead. He actually persecuted them. Uh, He imprisoned them, uh, facilitated their death, but God got a hold of his life. Jesus appeared to him and, and got a hold of his life and it totally changed Paul's life that he says, no, this is, this is real. And he became one of the biggest proponents of Christianity. And this book, Romans, is actually a letter that he wrote, scholars believe in 56 or 57 AD, and he wrote it to the church in Rome. And he's just explaining Christianity. He says this in Romans chapter 5, verses 6. You see, at at just the right time, when we were still powerless. Now just notice, don't, don't miss this. Notice where he starts. He says, you're powerless. You can't do it. While you were still powerless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. He died in our place for the penalty of sin. Verse 7, 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's saying that it wasn't after you kicked a bad habit. It wasn't after you got your act together and your life together. It wasn't after you performed some religious tenets or rituals that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinning against God, Christ died for us. Why? Because we were lost and dead without him. We couldn't do it. This is why you've maybe heard a Christian say this statement. They'll say, I got saved. And the reason Christians say, I got saved, is because they didn't do it themselves. God had to rescue them. Someone had to, to save them. And that we say, I didn't do the work, I got saved. Verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? God's, God's wrath? Like that kind of sounds like an ugly statement, but it's an amazing truth. That as we look at our world today, as we are troubled uh, by the wickedness and the sin, as we look at the death, the terrorism, the violence, the fear, I mean, the, the slavery, the trading of people, I mean, just all these atrocities that we have, that we have seen and maybe even experienced in our own life, we look at that and, and we get angry. I mean, everyone in us, everyone in here has been angry about that and said, who's going to do something about this? Like, this can't go on forever, can it? This character, the, the hatred, the sin, it, it can't go into heaven, can it? No, thank God it won't. Because it's God's wrath, it's God's anger, his judgment that will cleanse the earth of its sin. So without God's wrath, there's no gospel for Christians to celebrate. Without the wrath of God, there isn't a heaven to look forward to because heaven would look just like earth. It would just, we would just start it all over again. But Jesus saw this tidal wave of God's holiness coming to cleanse the earth. His, his judgment, his condemnation to come and purify the earth of all that wickedness. And Jesus saw that coming and he says, God is going to come purify and make things right, but I don't want you to have to be subject to it. And God stepped in our place and he took the brunt of that wrath and made a way for us to be spared. That's why the cross is so gruesome. That's why the Jesus wasn't euthanized. You know, Jesus did not take on the sin of the world and then pass away in his sleep. Now, at the cross, we saw the full effects and aftermath of wickedness and sin and the, the wrath of God on that poured out on an innocent life. And if you're Jesus, you don't suffer that to be one of many ways to God. I have to believe Jesus believed he was the way, the truth, and the life and the only way to God because you don't go through that, what he went through, if that's not the case. And he says, no, I will make a way for you to be spared. And at the cross, we see what God justly pouring out his wrath looks like at the same time seeing God's love for us, that he was willing to even sacrifice his own son to save us. Verse 10 
For, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. That's the good news. We were reconciled, meaning we have friendship with God. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I love the way that that passage ends. That this, this word boast, meaning that we give God the credit for our salvation. We worship him for it. We praise him for it. That word reconciliation, that now we can have a friendship with God that doesn't come through rituals and ceremonies. It comes through a, a relationship with God, believing in him. So let's go back for a second to our original definition of religion. It says, religion is an organized system of beliefs, ceremonies, and rules used to worship a god or a group of gods. And when we look at Christianity, it, it just doesn't sound like a religion, does it? It's Jesus saving those who believe in him. It's a new life where I say, I'm following Jesus. And Christianity is not a religion in that what saves you is not a set of ceremonies or rules. What saves you is that through Jesus, God has reconciled you to himself. And now I can have a relationship with God, a relationship that was paid for by the blood of Jesus. What's powerful about that is you can be saved right now by choosing to depend on him alone, to commit your life to him, by choosing to accept that forgiveness. It's a step of faith. And yes, we'll talk more about you know, how, how Christians prove it and, and the evidence and the reliability of all of it. But, but God says the belief in him, faith in him is what will save you. It's a reliance on him. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. An opportunity to lean into him and express that desire. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your head, close your eyes? And I'd love for you in your heart and mind right now to just have a conversation with God. We call that prayer. How do you express faith or belief in God? You express it by telling God. You might just pray something like this. God, thank you for loving me. God, thank you that you will one day make everything right. That you will cleanse the earth of this, this wickedness and the atrocities that we see. And God, thank you that you love me so much that even though I have sinned, I have done wrong things that have harmed me, that have harmed others, that you make a way for me to be spared, for me to be saved. And I know that sin has separated me from you and I want to be saved, God. Today, my desire is to be reconciled to you, to start a relationship with you, a relationship with you that will go on forever. So by faith, I believe that Jesus really lived and he lived a perfect life, a sinless life. That he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. He died in my place. And I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day, proving that he was God and had the authority to actually take away and forgive sins. I know I can't earn this forgiveness. I know I don't deserve it. But I thank you for it today. And I invite you to come into my life and help me change the way I think and change me from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.